Yes, it's that time of year again. Of course, we love WKRP all year long, but especially now as we get closer to Thanksgiving and recall that incredibly funny episode. Did you know we have five different WKRP designs, including three different turkey drop-inspired ones? Simply go to CincyShirts.com and type WKRP into the search bar and have a look. Use the promo code at the end of this episode to save 20% on your entire order online or in-store. Now, on with the show. WKRP in Cincinnati. This is WCPO-FM 1051 on your FM dial, Cincinnati, Ohio. WKRC, Cincinnati. This is the nation station. Hi again, everyone, and welcome to the Cincy Shirts Podcast. It's episode 193. Today on our show, Joe Hansbauer from Finley Market. And so when I came on board, I would say that, you know, that's that's where we started to plow all of our focus and resources was um, really reimagining Finley Market as a place for food entrepreneurs. Joe is the president and CEO of the corporation for Finley Market, and he joins us to discuss the history of the market, the changes and challenges that it has seen over the years, the opening day parade, the exciting things going on today, and a whole lot more. Now, if you've been liking the podcast, you can help support it via PayPal or Venmo. Simply use podcast at cincyshirts.com and chip in whatever you feel is fair. Also, be sure to listen for that special promo code for 20% off near the end of the episode. Now, let's talk to Joe Hansbauer about Finley Market. So are you from Cincinnati originally? I am from Cincinnati. I grew up in the northern suburbs in the Fairfield area. Aha. And so went to school here and then went to the University of Cincinnati. Yeah, so I've lived, uh, born and raised here. I've spent some time uh, in a number of other cities and communities right out of college uh, for about 10 years. I worked in a whole bunch of places, Portland, Maine, and Philadelphia, Seattle, Washington, uh, New York City, but then um, back here full-time starting uh, about 15 years ago. All right. So let me ask you, I guess growing up in Fairfield, did your proximity to Jungle Gyms have anything to do with the fact that you wound up at Finley Market in sort of a similar industry, or is that just a coincidence? Total coincidence, yeah. I mean, certainly I was was actually pretty pretty close, lived on kind of that side of Fairfield uh, near Route 4, so we were we were pretty close, uh, you know, almost within bike riding distance to, to jungle gyms growing up. But other than and then the proximity, never worked there or, or had any any real experience other than as a customer there at, at jungle gyms. And did you go there a lot as a kid? You said you could bike there. So I guess I imagine that was. A- yeah, I mean, a, a decent amount. I actually yeah. probably, you know, hit up a little spot called Dixie Deli. I used to ride ride bikes there to you know, to get some candy and, and buy some baseball cards. And it's not, you know, it's a pretty, pretty short distance to, to jungle gyms from there. But we, we spent more time at Dixie Deli than we did at jungle gyms for sure. Yeah, it's strange because I was thinking about it the other day because um, my daughter lives up in Cleveland now where I'm from originally. And my wife and I always think of Cleveland as being so much bigger and more spread out. Although a trip to the Fairfield jungle gyms from Eastern Hills here seems like <laughs> such a journey. 
and uh, now sure. we have one on the east side so we're right yeah. like two miles from us so it's uh yeah yeah it's just it's, it's a little easier yeah it's just an, an exotic trip and now, speaking of working in other towns there's another question i had for you and you may be able to answer this one even more expertly than i thought uh and mm-hmm. speaking of cleveland you know where we grew up we had the west side market Absolutely. And again growing up on the east side i didn't make it there very often but then i thought you know in pittsburgh I don't think we ever had anything like that. I lived there for 10 years, and there isn't really like a West Side Market or a Finley Market in Pittsburgh, and I'm owing it probably to the fact that wherever there was one probably got redeveloped when they redeveloped big chunks of Pittsburgh. And now Seattle has the the famous Pike Street. Is Pike, Pike yeah. Street Market? yeah. So when you were working in those other cities, did other cities have, other cities have markets like the West Side Market and Finley Market? Oh, definitely. Yeah. And Port- Portland's got, Portland, Maine's got Portland Public Market. It's not huge, but it's a nice little market. Um, in Philadelphia, Reading Terminal uh, is, is, you know, not quite as old as Finley, but uh, is is right up there uh, with it in terms of its continuous operation, which is a great market. And then, you know, not too far down the road there from, from Philadelphia, Washington, D.C. has the, uh, the uh, West Side Market or Eastern Market uh, there in, in D.C. and Baltimore has got Lexington Market. Yeah, so it's uh, Seattle, Washington. Obviously, I, I lived um, in Lower Queen Anne um, in Seattle, which was was just a short walk down to, to Pike Place. So yeah, I definitely spent spent some time at at markets. Never, you know, it wasn't on the career trajectory, if you will. At the time, I was never uh, imagining that I would uh, eventually be managing and and stewarding the market Finley market into the future but public markets are, are definitely you know something that has been uh, in my experience you know through for a long for a long time absolutely and are public markets like that healthy I know they, I've seen headlines people posted on Facebook back home that the west side market has been having some struggles lately where it seems sure. Finley market seems to be in pretty good shape Pike Street market of course is a huge tourist attraction for folks so it is overall is the public market still a thing or is it getting whittled away by as everything else the internet and huge these super yeah. hypermarkets and whatnot yeah well it's, you know i mean certainly you know kind of history history of markets is uh, is an interesting one for sure in the united states cincinnati at one time had nine public markets finley market is the the last remaining and, and really one of the oldest continuously operating public markets in, in the United States. So uh, there's only only a couple others, uh, Eastern Market in D.C., and maybe one other that has uh, a longer continuously operating lifespan as, as Finley Market, which has been, you know, here in over the Rhine since 1855 under continuous operation. Now we've changed hours of the day and days of the week that it's been operating, but it's been operating continuously since 1855. When you look at the history of markets um, across the country, the significant decline started in the 1950s. You know, that has more to do with urban decay than it does with public markets or anything special about public markets. So as interstate highways were created, suburbs began to blossom and you just had a different way of life, uh, if you will. You know, there wasn't as many residents in, in downtown areas across the country, save, you know, a couple of the, the really largest cities in the country. You know, everybody else was starting to see some population decline in their major cities. And then, you know, the, the advent with the automobile of shopping centers, big box retail, um, and the advent of supermarkets, right? That was all part of uh, the difficulties that public markets faced. That decline continued really through the 1990s. And then you've, you've recently seen 
you know, certainly here in Cincinnati, a resurgence of uh, interest in the urban core, uh, redevelopment uh, happening throughout the city. And, uh, and with that, right, we, you know, the, the public market, family market has, has seen a bump, right? It also came with a large investment from the city of Cincinnati, the state of Ohio, and some federal funds back in 2003 to renovate the market house uh, and make a new investment into it. Um, and then there's been some sustained efforts towards ensuring that Finley Market can continue its place as a, you know, the heartbeat uh, of the city, in addition to uh, being a, a great place to get fresh foods and prepared foods. So, you know, it's Finley's trajectory up and down has paralleled a lot with uh, other cities and other markets. I think where we have departed was the city of Cincinnati deciding to make an investment into the market. Uh, back in 2001, that was completed in 2003, you know, they, they could have very well said, hey, this is a dying model for, for how people shop. Uh, we're not going to invest. We're going to, you know, we're going to shut, shut the doors and, and roll down the curtains and, and call it done, right? But they, they made a different choice than that. And I think um, along with that choice to invest in the market was also the creation of a private nonprofit, a corporation for Finley Market, uh, which took over management of the market. And so you had a dedicated entity that was here not only to do the the day-to-day, you know, wash the windows, turn on the lights, uh, et cetera, but also uh, a dedicated team and staff to do marketing and promotion and encourage shoppers to return, to create events, to recruit new tenants. All of that has been a big factor in the resurgence of Finley Market. And now I think what you're seeing across the country and in communities small and large is a renewed interest in the combination of public markets and food halls. So there are cities all over that are now creating new markets. And so uh, Louisville just opened uh, a market three, three and a half years ago. Grand Rapids, Michigan did a huge uh, investment, a $30 million investment to build a new public market in Grand Rapids. Um, Lexington is, you know, furiously looking at how to create an opportunity down there. Um, and it goes on and on. I mean, I, I don't think there's a month that goes by that we don't hear from someone who is looking to create a market um, and trying to understand kind of how Finley operates, works, what doesn't, and how they might be able to recreate it in their community. So do folks from these other markets come and visit the success of Finley Market. I'm particularly thinking of the West Side Market in Cleveland because they're very similar in that in a challenge area of town, but that one that mm-hmm. has been revitalized. Uh, in fact, a yeah. big rock and roll star lived there for a long time, uh, our own Trent Reznor, at least from Pennsylvania mm, originally. Right. He lived in, uh, in the area. And so yeah. it's you know not like it's a crazy, dangerous place to go. It's going to provide a lot great view of the city from the one side of the market. Do the, peop- the, the folks come, and conversely, do you go to other towns to those markets with the idea of, you know, because we always ask the zoo people, do you visit other zoos? And they say, oh, yeah, all the time. Right. You steal yeah. ideas all yeah, the time yeah. from other zoos. Yeah, so we, we uh, yes, Yes to both of those things. So okay. we actually just in uh, the beginning of, of last year, uh, early 2020, we had a, a group of both city leaders and market merchants that came down from West Side. There is a tremendous amount of parallels between West Side Market and Finley Market, um, including uh, the fact that the West Side Market is still owned and operated by the city of Cleveland. And they they came down with a particular interest in understanding our management model. 
right? So it's a city-owned facility. It has a private nonprofit, um, receives some city funding, but then also generates earned revenue as well as philanthropic dollars to support the mission of the market. Um, and so they were looking at what does that look like? How maybe that is a model for Cleveland? Um, I think they are still progressing down that down that path to figure out how to how to cede control, if you will, from uh, the city government to put it in the hands of private entity that could then dedicate more time and resources to the management of it. That that happens uh, pretty frequently. There are many, many different models of public markets out there. There are fully for-profit models. There are private-public partnerships similar to Finley Market. There are uh, municipally run markets. The Baltimore, city of Baltimore still has seven public markets that are in operation and are mostly uh, operated by the city of Baltimore's economic development department. Um, and so we spend a, a good amount of time on, on kind of geeking out on public market stuff, if you will. Um, there are a couple of different trade organizations as well. There's a project for public spaces based out of New York City and a, a more of a farmer's market uh, network that, that we're members of and we'll go to conferences and, and try to engage with other uh, public markets, both domestically and internationally. And so, yeah, it's, I mean, it's just just like any other industry would, if you will. I mean, public markets got a, you know, a, a little bit of more of a, a niche kind of environment than a typical retail um, world. And, and so, yeah, we we do that a bunch. We also visit other other cities with our team and our staff on a regular basis and, um, and, and try to visit public markets, as well as some of the other work that we do. I mean, we do some, you know, in addition to managing uh, and operating a public market, we've got a shared use kitchen called Finley Kitchen, which is a commissary that, that allows food entrepreneurs to start and grow and scale. We've got a storefront accelerator program called Finley Launch that allows entrepreneurs to move into storefronts and operate for nine months and curriculum that goes around that. We've got a culinary training program called Finley Culinary Training that trains people up for back of house front work and, and moves them through an internship model and, and then out into their culinary careers. Um, and so we also go visit those kind of things as well, right? To see other shared use kitchens in, in operation, other culinary training programs in operation, other storefront accelerator kind of programs and, and try to learn from what others have, have already done and then kind of give it its own, own Cincinnati flavor. So what is the footprint of the market? Because I know there's the main building, but whenever I go there, it seems like on the south side of the market on that one street, there's storefronts there mm -hmm. that are part of it. And of course, on the north end where you park and then walk into the market, there's buildings there. And then I think maybe on the east and west side, there's a few storefronts that seem to be, are they just market adjacent or are they also part of your, uh, your, your uh, sphere? At the core of it, obviously, is the market house. Directly surrounding the markets is, is kind of what we generally called the Finley Market Square. There are 18 buildings on that. So the corporation for Finley Market has a lease and management agreement on the market house and nine of the 18 buildings directly surrounding it. Okay. Um, but when we speak of Finley Market and the Finley Market District, really what we're talking about is the retail, first floor retail, obviously in the market house, but then it kind of forms in the shape of an H. So it's Elman Ray Streets on either side of the market going from Liberty Street up to Finley Street, so those two kind of verticals. Um, and then Elder Street is the street that the market is on, the market house itself. And so Elder Street running from Central Parkway over to Vine creates the cross and kind of forms an H. Um, and so the first level retail on all of those blocks, it's it's basically a, 
a three block by three block uh, area is what we call the Finley Market District and would have been traditionally what you would have seen um, of Finley Market back in you know the early 1900s, right? Is all of those storefronts would have been retail and market related uses and, and would have been your, your shopping district, if you will. And so it's founded in 1855, I mm-hmm. guess at the time when that's the outskirts of town, really. Yeah, I mean, so so Liberty Street, this this area of over the Rhine, is called the the Northern Liberties, as people will refer to it in that way. And, and really, Liberty Street was the incorporated boundary of the city of Cincinnati. Um, everything north of that was privately held land, and um, and not in the incorporated city. It wasn't too much after that that uh, the city's boundaries expanded uh, to include formally this area. Uh, but yeah, in 1855, this would have been, you know, kind of out out in the wilderness almost. And so, uh, switching gears back to how you got involved when you left Fairfield, yeah. what was kind of your? Did you know what you wanted to do? Did you have a, a, a small idea of what you wanted to do? Sure, I have tremendously uh, wandering career path that <laughs> you know doesn't doesn't have a straight through line. So I went to the University of Cincinnati for electrical engineering with a minor in semiconductor design. Holy cow! Um, I never used any of that in my professional life. I went then off and worked for Accenture, which is a, a multinational strategic management and consulting company, and that's what really took me to the other cities. So I was doing kind of. Uh, management and, and technology consulting for about a decade. At the same time here back in town, I helped to start and grow an all-volunteer organization called Give Back Cincinnati, which was really about leadership development and, and community service opportunities for young professionals. And so started that here uh, in Cincinnati, um, helped to grow some side projects of Give Back Cincinnati. We created an international service travel project. We created Fall Feast, which is the Thanksgiving dinner uh, at Duke Energy Convention Center. Paint the Town was once upon a time something in Cincinnati called Lily Pad, which provided free Wi-Fi in public spaces, you know, at the uh, airport and Fountain Square and et cetera. And so helped to, to grow that organization over the 10 years that I was at Accenture. Now, I left Accenture to start a program called YouGive.org, which was an online platform that helped connect high school and college students to service opportunities in their local communities. And we started that here, expanded to 28 states, and then completed a merger with the Muhammad Ali Center down in Louisville. And they took the technology side of what we built and made that the engine behind their Generation Ali campaign. So then I went and spent a year in Louisville um, running global programs for the Ali Center. And then the opportunity here uh, became available. And and so this gave me the opportunity to come back into Cincinnati. And as a huge Cincinnati cheerleader, um, the opportunity to steward the market into the future was super interesting to me. And so I came back and been here now for nine years. Wow. So what were some of the first challenges you faced? I guess nine years that you're we're out of the economic crash of 2008, but as sure. But what are some of the other challenges that we're facing the market at that time? Besides the usual, you know, hypermarkets and people not being in the area or living in the area at the time. Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, you know, I mean, in, you know, if we rewind 2013, you know, the, the redevelopment of over the Rhine, the investment into over the Rhine had certainly taken hold right? It was not, we were not really on the front end of that anymore. And it was clear that, that 
additional investment was coming and that the neighborhood was going to continue to develop. The market, Finley market, I would say, was stabilized. So it was a market that, you know, most, if not all of the market stands inside the market um, were occupied uh, with tenants. Many, several at least, of the storefronts surrounding the market also had tenants. Um, We still had a number of vacant buildings on market. We had uh, almost complete vacancy on uh, Elm and Ray Streets. So um, the market had stabilized and visitors were on the rise. We had gone from, you know, at market house renovation, about 250,000 annual shoppers uh, by 2013. We were up to uh, about 700,000 annual shoppers. And so, um, so some of it was continue the march, right? Continue to find opportunities to get storefronts developed, create new opportunities for food entrepreneurs, uh, and really begin to position Finley Market as the premier location to start, grow, or scale a food-related business. And so when I came on board, I would say that, you know, that's that's where we started to plow all of our focus and resources was um, really reimagining Finley Market as a place for food entrepreneurs. Um, so if you were looking to start a food business, if you were looking to grow or scale a food-related business, you were going to come to Finley Market. It was going to be the, the premier place to, to do retail but then also a recognition that in order for that to really happen, um, there needed to be some additional resources nearby. So one of the very first things that we did was to acquire a property and then raise funds to build Finley Kitchen, which would uh, solve a huge hole that or barrier to starting a food-related business is you had to have a health department-approved facility that you could produce your product in. And it is a non-trivial thing, quite costly to build out commercial kitchen, even a small commissary, non-retail-based commercial kitchen. You know, you're talking about a half a million to a million dollar investment. And so what we wanted to put in place was a shared space that allowed folks to come in with basic food handling uh, experience, surf safe certification, and begin and start their business, right? And so that's what we created at Finley Kitchen. It's an 8,000 square foot, 10 kitchen facility, rent by the hour, right? So, you know, your startup cost to start your food business is an idea and 20 bucks an hour to rent kitchen time, right? And you're you're up and running, right? That was the next step in figuring out how to make that happen. It created a huge pipeline for us as well, right? So as we had uh, additional storefronts coming online, as we had people transitioning in or out of the market, we now had great pipeline of uh, businesses that had already started and were looking for a permanent home, um, and we can move them nicely right into uh, right into the market. Um, and that's been a huge lift for us in being able to um, get more of these storefronts um, developed and occupied, uh, and creating opportunities for more food entrepreneurs. And that that continues to be focus. Finley Launch uh, is an outshoot of Finley Kitchen, and that is a recognition that some of these food entrepreneurs. Um, need more than just kitchen time and kitchen space, right? They need to understand finance and accounting. They need to understand how to set up an LLC, uh, the legal aspects, HR hiring processes, all of those kind of things. So Finley Launch is the curriculum that then goes around entrepreneurs that are looking to kind of take that next step but don't have the experience. Um, And then the accelerator storefront component of Finley Launch gives people a place, a physical place that they can move into and try to see whether, whether they've got something that, that works. And so that has been created again and removed an additional barrier where they're not having to sign a, you know, a 10-year lease, they're not having to invest 
you know, take debt and, and invest in a build out of a new storefront. They can simply go in and get rolling. So all of those things kind of layer on on top of each other, if you will. And, and I think I think it's working pretty good. Yeah, I had no idea that uh, that you did something like that. So if someone has a notion right. to start a food business or a restaurant, they can kind of iron out the kinks. Maybe they only have the cooking skills, but like you yep. said, they can you know get a handle on accounting and setting up an LLC and payroll and how to get all that sorted. That's fascinating. I didn't know that yeah. that such a thing existed with Finley Market. That's so cool. Absolutely. So who was the some of the oldest tenants in Finley Market? It seems a lot of people have been there since I moved here in the nineties. Yeah, there's, there's not a ton of turnover. You know, we have we've had you know we have a, a little bit of you know folks that that decide to move on or whatever, but a lot of a lot of longtime tenants, right? So Eckerlin Meats is a nineteen twenty two business. They are moving on to their sixth generation right now. You have uh, Gibbs Cheese is another one um, that has changed hands and changed families, but it's it's been around since 1922 as well. Silver Glades is a cheese and deli business. They have they are also kind of multi generational. They started uh, I think more in the the late 30s, um, but yeah, there's a lot of a lot of multi generational businesses at market, and but also a lot of new ones, right? So there's a there's a lot of you know I would say over the last you know, 15 years, you know, it's a lot of the folks moving in are, you know, new concept, new idea, new entrepreneur. So it's a, it's a nice mix. Yeah. And I guess when there is turnover, sometimes it's people just going on to a bigger space, right? That's, that's right. For sure. Yeah. I mean, um, we have a number, number of examples of that for sure. Folang was, was a business that, that got their, their starts and brought Vietnamese food to Cincinnati in a big way. And they started in a, in a corner spot at the market. Uh, and then eventually moved into a storefront on Ray Street just two years ago. Taste of Belgium is probably oh yeah one of the the biggest examples. You know that you know Jean Francois literally started the Waffle Iron uh, doing pop up in front of Madison's on on Elder Street. They eventually moved into a small corner space inside the market that expanded into a corner plus a market stand. Uh, and obviously now John Francois has his entire waffle kingdom. Yes, <laughs> uh, you know outside of outside of the market, Colonel D started this spice stock shop uh, inside the market, and, and now has multiple locations both in the city and uh, and external to the city. Dojo Gelato, you know, started his gelato stand uh, at market, and now has his North Side location in addition to his market stand. Um, so there are, you know, there are literally dozens of, of examples, even just in the last 20 years of, uh, of businesses that have gotten their start at market um, and either continue to have a presence at market or, or in some cases they moved on. Urbana Cafe is another one that started, you know, literally in a little Vespa coffee um, spot on Saturdays and Sundays at market and then eventually rolled into the roll-up doors. And now there, I think there are three or four Urbana coffees across the, the city. So it's a you know, it is. It's it's it, that's exactly what it's intended to be as well, right? Is it's a, it's a jumping off point. You know, we do 1.2 million uh, annual shoppers at markets, so it's a place that people are coming not only during the weekend but also during the week. It gives your brand product quite a bit of visibility to a target audience of people who are interested in experiencing food and culture and and new products. Um, and those that catch on, uh, it then gives them the ability to. Uh, expand out and, and have people follow follow them uh, outside the market as well. That's really cool. I had no idea that was uh, <laughs> that was such a thing. You know, it, we were talking about the supermarkets kind of starting to kill the 
public market as you know, early as the 1950s, post-World War II. And sure. it's interesting that a lot of these places, and I think of HEB in San Antonio as one, that have tried to duplicate the public market feel. And they do it well, whereas mm-hmm. I don't think other people maybe in other cities have done it as well. There just seems to be more of a, an Epcot-y feel to it. It doesn't feel as organic as when you go to, say, the West Side Market or Friendly Market. What do you owe that to, just to it being people that have been doing this for years and years, like a lot of the, the tenants that have been there a long time? Or is it a, a managerial thing that you guys are doing? What, what do you owe that sure. to? Sure. I mean, yeah, I mean, obviously, authenticity is a thing, right? And um, uh, and you can try to give it, you know, a, a shiny or flashy face you can speak words to it but it's either authentic or it's not right and, and so there's nothing against you know any any grocery chain here or, or anywhere else but at the end of the day right i mean a big part of finley market is the fact that it is it's small business right and it is you know in, in many or most of the cases at finley market what you're seeing and experiencing is literally the business owner is there behind the stand Right. They are they're providing uh, that passion, that expertise back. Right. Um, it's not just, you know, somebody that has applied for a job and has been assigned to a <laughs> to a stand <laughs> inside of a grocery store. Right. Like yep. It's just, you know, you're not going to have that same passion. You're not going to have that same care. You're not going to have that same expertise. Right. Of of, you know, product and, and curation. And so there, you know, to a certain extent, though, I think you know, although we are in the same category, right, we are, we want, uh, we focus heavily on Finley Market being an amazing location to go and get fresh foods, to buy grocery items. But we are not a grocery store, right? Um, and we recognize that and we are not going to be, we're, we're never going to compete uh, with large grocery on convenience, right? Like parking is going to be a little more difficult here at Finley Market our hours are not going to be, you know, 24 seven or even, you know, 6 a.m. to 10 p.m., right? Like that's not what this is, right? But it's also about experience, right? It is it is the customer service and the interaction with business and business owners. Um, it is the special events. It is the music. It is, uh, you know, Jane's Bar, you know, grabbing a burrito and a, and a beer and sitting out uh, in the sun. It is seeing neighbors and acquaintances that maybe you haven't seen in a while it is meeting new people right as you're standing at the meat counter uh and seeing somebody order something that you've never ordered before hey what is that how do you use it what kind of recipe is that going in you know those kind of interactions that you're not necessarily going to get or expect to get um, from your grocery experience um i think you know from a overall use case perspective Going to the grocery store continues to be one of the lowest rated uh, experiences that customers have, right? When you ask customers uh, if they enjoy going to the grocery store, um, it is a very, very low rating. Um, we continue to see the opposite of that, right? When people, when we are surveying customers, um, you know, do you enjoy coming to Finley Market? What is your favorite thing, et cetera, et cetera. You know, we're seeing 80 and 90% of people view it as a positive experience as opposed to something that they have to do. And so it's, it's just, it's a different thing and it's a different category. And we talk about it a lot. I mean, you know, especially our weekend customers are driving in, you know, whether they're coming from, you know, over by you and, and Anderson or they're coming from Northern suburbs or they're coming from Northern Kentucky, you know, everybody that's coming to market or, or many of our customers on the weekends, you know, they're driving within a mile of, 
three, four, five, six other places to get groceries right, on their way to Finley Market. And so if it's only about convenience, if it's only about fresh food, if it's only about cost of goods, if you will, we're never going to win in those categories. But you're not going to get this experience anywhere else, right? Certainly not in Cincinnati. Um, and, you know, I think there are, there are only a handful of comparable experiences that I think you can get in the entire country, right? So yeah, that's, as we were saying. You know, that's what we... That's what we focus on, and that's what we're that's what we're selling, really. And I guess the overall interest in food in America, kind of you know, with things like the Food Network and things like that, has only helped places like Finley Market. Because again, you have that sense that you're getting a different quality, or if you're really serious about making this really nice meal for for family or friends or a loved one, that you know you want to go to Finley Market and you know get the actual best ingredients and maybe some expert advice along the way. That's that's exactly it, right? Yeah, I mean it's. Um, and there, you know, um, there are products that you can get here that you can't get anywhere else, right? Like they are, you know, specialty items, specialty cheeses, specialty meats that uh, that you aren't going to get. There's plenty of, of standards, right? I mean, come and get your, you know, chicken breast or your chicken wings or your American cheese, right? But but there's a lot of things that you're not going to get anywhere else. There's a lot of handmade, you know, products, things that are that are made here locally, in addition to raw ingredients here local. You also have the farmers markets and locally sourced produce and fruits and vegetables as well. So all of that is 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 part of it. Certainly, there is an interest, a growing interest in in food and the Food Network and baking shows and you know and uh, chef shows and Top Chef and all of those types of things. I think certainly are increasing the interest. Uh, the pandemic, right, in in ways um, has been good for market, right? I mean, it has. People have either been introduced or reintroduced to market as a fresh food market as opposed to just something to do. So, you know, a good number of our our fresh food vendors uh, have done very, very well, just the same way that grocery has done very, very well. Prepared food and restaurants, is, is, you know, have not done as well uh, the last 18 months, but it, that's coming back as well. Right? I mean, we are seeing foot traffic numbers now that look very, very similar, if not slightly up to pre-pandemic comparisons. So, so it's good. I mean, it's, you know, it is... We have certainly some trends uh, that are that are hot right now and that we try to take advantage of. But I think we also have, you know, a long term shift in behavior and experience uh, on our side as well. Right. I mean, you know, the big box grocery as well as online grocery and grocery delivery and those kind of things have have their place continue to push the, the envelope on convenience and comparison shopping. Uh, and that's all great. And it's got a spot. But I think people are are. You know they're they're on the lookout for for experience and uh, in a lived environment, right? What makes Cincinnati different than anywhere else that I might live? Everywhere in the country can get a package from Amazon dropped off on their porch, right? So that isn't unique. That doesn't give Cincinnati an advantage. Uh, the market is one of those things, right? It's it is an experience, a gathering spot. It's a social activity. Differentiates your lived experience here in Cincinnati from your lived experience in Pittsburgh or New York or Paducah, right? <laughs> and that's that's a, a big focus, I think. So speaking of the food networks and trends, uh, we had some folks on from the Cincinnati Humboldt Association last year or a year and a half ago. And one of the things they had mentioned was when it comes to buying houses and what people are looking for, 
people don't necessarily want an open concept because they really want an open concept. HGTV has taught them that that's what they want. And that became about yeah. because it was much easier to shoot an open concept house for their TV shows than it was anything else. So they just told people, this is what you want. Are there right. trends like this in food happening where people are like, well, you may not necessarily want this, but this is what you want because, you know, I don't know if it's in terms of certain kinds of meats or certain things are being cooked or more vegetables or less vegetables. Is that kind of thing affecting Finley Market or is Finley Market still pretty much on its own course? Yeah, I, I think, I think so certainly, right? I mean, I, I would say the market has always been a place where, where cultures interacted. But I, I think that the availability of experiencing or learning about food and other cultures, the food of other cultures via TV shows, I think has accelerated uh, the ability or the interest for people to, you know, move beyond the pork chop, green beans and potato. Right. And so I think that trend has been pushed by uh, by TV for sure. But it's, you know, it's always been a little bit of a thing at market, but I think even more so now. Right. Like, you know, people like Folang being able to get started serving Pho and Banh Mi's at the market, it was a place where people were coming, seeking out that food and that, that culture or, or trying something new, right? And now uh, it is, it, that's not as exotic anymore, right? Like, the, you know, just last weekend was the Asian Food Fest in, in Washington Park. And, you know, I don't think that they've ha- ever had as many people there as, as they had this year. And the number of vendors they had was higher than it has ever been. And so you just have more businesses making Asian food in Cincinnati, right? And that wouldn't have been, you know, to try to do an Asian food fest and have local makers of product uh, and food here in Cincinnati. If you had tried to do that 20 years ago, I don't think that would have been possible, right? There just wasn't people in Cincinnati uh, making Asian food, right? And so that's, those things have been pushed along, I think, both by uh, experience here, but also by people seeing it on TV and saying, hey, Hey, where where can I get that? Where can I get those spices? Where can I seek out that recipe? So they've, they've complemented each other. For sure. For sure. Yeah. I guess people, you know, it helps the TV shows too because people realize, hey, that's not just some exotic thing I see on TV. I can go down to Findlay Market probably and grab such and such and make a really great meal. That's right. Yeah. So one of the other things, of course, Finley Market is noted for and something we're always excited about every year and hopefully we'll have it do it properly 2022 is open the opening day parade. How did all that get started? Yeah. So the the opening day parade is always has been and, and will continue to be uh, an initiative actually of the market vendors. Um, so the Corporation for the Market, the nonprofit that manages the market, plays a supporting role in it and, and certainly provides, uh, you know, some marketing and promotional support and, and some logistical support and volunteer support. Uh, but it's really, it's, it's, you know, the merchants run the show, right? So they, uh, they do everything from, you know, uh, receiving applications, selecting the participants, lining them up and assigning numbers, doing the street closures, et cetera, et cetera. So all that, all that, the logistics behind it is all a, a merchant-driven candy market vendor effort, uh, and uh, and obviously is a huge not only here locally but nationally uh, recognized uh, event. Um, it has long history. Obviously, here we are. You know, we've crossed over the hundred year or hundredth anniversary of the parade uh, a couple of years ago. But it, the original start um, was when 
uh, the stadium was in much much closer proximity. Oh yeah. Uh, so when Crosley Field was was literally uh, down Finley Street from the market, it was it was like a six block kind of scenario. It started without a ton of fanfare and really, you know, literally was uh, market merchants and, and customers, you know, marching their way from the market uh, down to the field on, on opening day every year. Um, it began to grow in prominence and interest and expectations um, and became much more formal kind of in the later 1920s um, is really when it, you know, it became an official parade that was happening, not just a you know, ragtag group of people walking down the street and then has grown, you know, ever, ever since then uh, continues to get great support from the Cincinnati Reds as well. And, and have been very collaborative. Obviously they benefit from the hoopla, but you know, they, they're always uh, more than willing to, you know, to provide uh, some contacts and, you know, things like the Budweiser Clydesdales and things like that, that are, you know, those are, those are Cincinnati Reds, you know, contacts and, and they really help make that happen. They obviously provide typically a player or two. It tends to be a relief pitcher at this point in time, typically who's, who's riding in or second game starter is a lot of often who is on the, on the car riding into the, into the stadium, knowing that they're not going to have to get ready to play that day. Um, but it's a, you know, it's, it is ever growing, you know, it tens and tens of thousands of people that, that come out, and certainly we are quite, quite hopeful that, uh, that 2022 is going to be when we bring it all back. Yeah, it's one of the only events. Uh, we don't do as many events as we used to, what with the two storefronts, and we've got four different websites now and all that. But we mm-hmm. still do opening day, and we actually yeah. do opening day in two different locations. We do it in Washington Park. And then our friends at Moorline Logger House have a setup in their backyard. And we yeah. do, so it's the only time we actually do the same event in two completely different locations. I think Link, <laughs> before I joined full-time, I think they had two stands downtown. But uh, the last time we did Blink, we only had the one, again, on Greg's lawn there at Moorline House. But yeah, yeah. It's, a, it's a huge deal, and I think everyone's really looking forward to it in, in 2022. What other big things are coming up for the market? What can we look forward to? Is there any, any renovations, any new programs, building up the neighborhood around the market? What, what kind of things are going on? Yeah, absolutely. So we just opened uh, a restaurant called Mighty Good. It's a southern concept. It's uh, it's called a meat and three. So you select one meat and three side. It is at 1819 uh, Elm Street and embedded into Mighty Good, the restaurant, is our Finley Culinary Training Program. So we have a we have a partnership with CityLink Center um, where we uh, enroll students in a culinary training program. Uh, they go through four weeks of classroom training over at a, a, a demonstration kitchen that we built at CityLink, and then they come across to Mighty Good for an eight-week internship uh, in the restaurant to give them real-world experience in a live kitchen. Um, And then they graduate out of the program, uh, and uh, and we help them them find their their first spot uh, in their burgeoning culinary career. And so that, we, we had a Finley Culinary Training was a program that we operated, and we did the internship in a restaurant called Social OTR, and so we paused that during pandemic, both from a standpoint of it wasn't a good time to run a restaurant, but also uh, we didn't want to put people through a training program if there weren't going to be jobs in the backside. Fast forward to where we are today. Amazingly enough, uh, not only is the demand back, but it is larger than ever. Restaurants continue to struggle with staffing, particularly in the back of house on the food line. And so we will continue to 
you know, hopefully turn out 10 to 12 students every month um, and help them uh, start their culinary careers uh, in the city and, and, and help all the restaurant friends of Finley Market uh, along the way. So come out uh, and, and join us at, at Mighty Good. It's, uh, the food is fantastic. It is also, uh, I think, one of the more reasonable food options. You get, you know, your, your meat and three side dish side dishes is, uh, is will cost you 10 bucks. So it's a, it's a good deal. It's very approachable for the neighborhood. And it's, you know, the kind of spot that we're hoping that folks will come back to over and over and over again. Yeah, and it seems like there's a lot of uh, development between Washington Park and Finley Market. I know that's not necessarily something you're directly involved in, but it seems to be a good sign because I noticed uh, when we, the last event we did at Washington Park, I was able to point people up to the market and looking up the street. I'm like, For oh, sure. there's a lot, a lot more stuff now. There yep. aren't vacant buildings as much as there used to be anymore, and it's, a, it's like a, a pleasant walk from Washington Park up to the market. Yeah, the so. buildings, you know, we're, it's really really starting to fill in. There are some uh, larger projects on the horizon as well. There's a, a, a very large-scale project at Liberty and Elm Streets. Uh, it'll be about 200 apartments, and so that that should be under construction here um, late this year, early next year. Hamilton County is also building us a nice new garage uh, just across from Sam Adams behind the Globe Building uh, at Finley Market on top of a surface lot. Um, so it'll be a 500-space garage. They're building it there uh, in support and fulfilling uh, their requirements for uh, the FC Cincinnati deal. Um, oh, nice. So, uh, so there'll be a, a nice nice big garage there that'll help us from you know a development perspective, office and residential users that need uh, parking up here. Uh, but also, obviously, for, for transient parking and, and supporting the continued growth of Finley Market uh, all year round. So we're we're excited about that. Um, FC Cincinnati has been a nice nice bump for for us as well. Um, a lot of the supporter groups are you know home based uh, up here in the neighborhood. They're, the Pride is up at Northern Row. Um, the Brigade, I think, is actually down at Taft, but. Bainstein is at Sam Adams this year. I think they may move to Somerset next year. Caballeros are at La Ofrenda. So a lot of the supporter groups are up in the neighborhood uh, early before games. And then the market kind of serves as the muck point for the march. So as the supporter groups come out of their, their home bars, they meet at market and then they march down Pleasant Street to Washington Park and then from there across to the stadium. Um, so it's been a nice, you know, kind of following on that uh, Finley Market Sports connection, our long, long-standing relationship with the Reds. This is these are the new guys in town, and and uh, you know the market uh, I think is embracing that as well. And you know, it might not be a parade, but the the you know the march for every game is a is a fun way for people I think to be introduced to or experience uh, the market as well. It is for sure, yeah. And hopefully if the, the team hopefully gets better, uh, that'll be you know a, a big improvement for the market and for the, the whole neighborhood as well. Absolutely. Yeah. So the only order of business we have left here then, and I appreciate you being on, on the show today and educating us about Finley Market. Like I didn't know, I thought I knew a lot about Finley Market, but I didn't. Yeah, I learned a lot. Sure. The one yeah. thing we like to do is we have the guest pick the coupon code that our customers can use for the next week that this episode is up to take 20% off their entire order at either CincyShirts.com or our, our sibling site, OldSchoolShirts.com, or either of the two physical stores and over the Rhine and Hyde Park. So you can choose the coupon code. It can be a single word. It can be a, a couple word phrase. Uh, what would you like the coupon code to be? I think that we should make it mighty good. 
Oh, Mighty Good. Okay, in very honor good. honor of the restaurant. Mighty yeah. Good. Perfect. All right, so folks, use Mighty Good to take 20% off your entire CincyShirts.com or OldSchoolShirts.com order, or use it in Over the Rhine Hyde Park stores. And uh, again, appreciate being on the show today and telling us all about Finley Market. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. Okay, thanks. All right, talk to you soon. I'm no less than the supermarket. I can no longer shop happily. I came in here for a special offer. Joe Hansbauer. Well, you won't get lost in the supermarket at Finley Market, but there, there is a lot to see and a lot of cool stuff going on there as we discussed, so do check it out. Just Google Finley Market and you can find all kinds of resources on their website and all the great things that are happening in and around the market. Now, if there's someone you'd like to hear on the show, simply email us podcast at cincyshirts.com and in the subject line put podcast guest and then maybe a few sentences about why you think that person would be a good guest on the show. If you haven't already, please go back and check out the Cincy Shirts podcast archives from baseball great Johnny Bench to actress Amy Asback. We've got tons of great episodes back there. And today's show is produced by me with help from Josh and Darren. Our theme music is Cincinnati by Big Nothing, who are from Philadelphia. Find their music in Apple Music, Spotify, or wherever you get your music, Google Play, whatnot. Find vintage tees from great places like Philadelphia, Boston, Phoenix, Pittsburgh, Cleveland, Louisville, Seattle, and a lot more up to 36, 37 cities, something like that at oldschoolshirts.com. Defunct teams, old restaurants, old radio stations, old TV personalities from cities around the country, like Cincy Shirts, but for those towns. And again, the promo code for this episode is Mighty Good. Mighty Good, all one word, all lowercase, all uppercase. As always, that part does not matter so long as it's Mighty Good, all one word, and you can use that to take 20% off your entire CincyShirts.com or OldSchoolShirts.com order, or go into our stores and over the Rhine and Hyde Park and say, hey, I'd like to use this week's podcast code, Mighty Good, and they'll take 20% off your entire order. And the OTR store actually is within walking distance of Finley Market. You have to be out and about there, all right? So cool. Follow our social channels, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and Snapchat for the latest Cincy Shirts news. Tell your friends about the show. Give us a good review wherever you get the podcast from. And as always, download or stream us next time. Bye. I said goodbye